0: How do fish swim so well? Fish come in all shapes and sizes. Some are free swimming, while others rest on the bottom of the sea. Some are herbivores, and others are carnivores. And some lay eggs, while others give live birth and parental care to their young. The total number of living fish species, about 32,000, is greater than the combined total of all other vertebrate species, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals. Gram for gram, fish have more muscle than any other vertebrate. Hence, a male salmon or tuna consists of nearly 70% muscle, which is one reason why these fish are so good to eat. Every spring, a 272 kilogram Atlantic bluefin tuna travels over 4800 kilometers from Newfoundland to its spawning grounds in the Gulf of Mexico that it does so on a meal of a couple of 14 kilo bluefish is nothing short of remarkable. Humans will likely never engineer such an efficient swimming machine. When it comes to swimming, fish demonstrate an effortless grace and power that humans can only dream of. While the fastest fish swim up to 110 kilometers per hour, no human has ever managed even 6 kilometers per hour in water. Even the fastest submarines have a top speed of only 80 kilometers per hour. At the same time, man's fish-like robots often fall short of matching fish performance by a considerable margin. Despite our advances, we are still left asking the question, how do fish swim so well? Here are ten contributing factors. Firstly, a flexible backbone. The backbone of a fish, which is also referred to as the spine – starts just below the head of the fish and continues all the way down to the point where it begins to form the tail of the fish. As is the case with humans, the primary purpose of a backbone is to keep the fish in the correct alignment and to provide them with structure and protection. Furthermore, the backbone of a fish offers support to the ribs, the tail, the muscles and the body systems as a whole. Since they are not nearly as vital for load bearing as the bones of terrestrial animals, they are smaller and thinner, thereby reducing body weight, and allowing faster movement. Backbones provide a straighter body line which has less drag against the flow of water. Unlike those of mammals and reptiles, the vertebrae of fish are not linked together. They are simply held in place by a series of tendons. The space between each vertebrae is filled with a ball of cartilaginous substance that holds them apart a little, allowing them to flex. This flexibility allows fish to move their tails in smooth, graceful sideways movements, with minimal effort. 2. A swim bladder. To ascend, a fish must reduce its overall density by increasing its volume without significantly increasing its mass. Most fish do this with something called a swim bladder. A swim bladder is like an expandable sac. To reduce its overall density, a fish fills the bladder with oxygen collected from the surrounding water via the gills. When the bladder is filled with oxygen, the fish has a greater volume, but its weight, is not greatly increased. When the bladder is expanded, it displaces more water and so experiences a greater force of buoyancy. When the bladder is completely inflated, the fish has a maximum volume and is pushed to the surface. When the bladder is completely deflated, the fish has a minimum volume and sinks to the ocean floor. To stay at a particular level, a fish fills its bladder to the point at which it displaces a volume of water that weighs what the fish weighs. In this case, the forces of gravity and buoyancy cancel each other out, and the fish stays at that level. Without this organ, the fish is unable to hold itself upright or maintain its position in the water column. 3. A lateral line system This wonderful system allows a fish to detect vibrations and pressure changes in water, helping the fish to respond appropriately to external events. Without this, the fish would be not able to perceive its position and rate of movement. It would also not be able to easily detect the presence of predators and would fail to detect food easily. 4. The pectoral fins. The pectoral fins are the two fins located on the sides of a fish or marine mammal. They act as pivots around which the fish can turn rapidly and steer itself. They are primarily responsible for control of directional movement, up and down, or side to side pectoral fins can come in all shapes and sizes which fill different functions for different fish the pectoral fins of a coelacanth have a wide range of motion and are capable of sculling like the oar of a boat these specialized pectoral fins are useful for making small correction movements to maintain a coelacanth's position hovering just off the ocean floor The pectoral fins for bluefin tuna are retractable. They fit into slots so that when they are retracted, they are flush with the sides of the fish. For a fast-moving fish in open oceans, where it doesn't often have to change direction quickly, this feature is highly efficient. It reduces drag and saves energy. 5. The pelvic fins. These fins are used as an aerofoil, brake, propulsor and rudder for ground-walking, and for hovering. At the same time, pelvic fins can be spined and used for protection, contain gases, and be used for flotation, sensory perception, camouflage, and for reproduction. During manoeuvres, pelvic fins move variably, but appear to act as trimming foils, helping to stabilise and return the body to a steady swimming posture after a manoeuvre has been initiated. Paired with the pectoral fins, they control pitching, dampening body oscillation, and stabilizing body position. 6. The unpaired dorsal and anal fins. The dorsal fin is located on the top of a fish, as well as some marine mammals. Predominantly, the fin is used to stabilize fish in the water and help direct the fish through turns and stops. Dorsal fins actively produce jet streams with large lateral forces. Because of the location of dorsal fins above the fish's rolling axis, These lateral forces, if unchecked, could cause the fish to roll. Hydrodynamic experiments of trout anal fin function found that the anal fins, located below the fish's rolling axis, produced similar jets to the dorsal fin and helped balance rolling torques during swimming. Together, they reduced yawing and rolling. The caudal Fin Number 7 The caudal fin, or tail, of a fish is the only fin to be connected to the vertebral column. It is the primary means of locomotion for most fish. Unlike many marine mammals with tails that use an up-and-down motion, fish generally use a side-to-side thrust of their caudal fin for propulsion. The shape of the caudal fin can be indicative of the style of motion for a fish. For example... Very fast swimming fish, like tunas, have a lunate caudal fins for more efficient swimming, while lion-weight predators, like grouper, have a strong wide base of the tail, the caudal peduncle, for faster acceleration. Number eight, epidermal mucus. The surface of living fish is covered by mucus or slime. Some fish have a thin coating of the substance. Others produce so much slime that it's difficult for a predator or a human to grasp them. Mucus is very important for a fish. Firstly, this slime prevents attachment of ectoparasites by making the surface of the fish slippery, sloughing off with the parasite and suffocating pathogens. It also acts as a bandage by covering over a wound caused by trauma or infection. From a swimming perspective, slime reduces turbulence. The drag resulting from some spaces between scales and projecting body parts accounts for considerable energy loss in locomotion, up to 30% by some estimates, especially in fast-moving fishes. The slime acts to smooth out these gaps. The slime similarly reduces the viscosity of the water around the fish. For instance, the barracuda possesses slime that reduces frictional drag by as much as 66%. 9. streamlined body Engineering-minded scientists have taken notice that many types of fish have bodies shaped like a low-drag aerofoil, but on its side. This means that the water passing over the body of the fish acts in the same way as air over an airplane wing. Now, a new research study has proven that the engineered mechanics of this design in fish provide optimized movement and thrust for swimming. 10. Special Shaped Muscles, myomeres. The muscles and bones of a fish work together. Skeletal muscles use bones as levers to move the body. Tendons are strong connected tissues that attach muscle to bone. When muscle cells are stimulated, they contract and shorten, which pulls on tendons to move bones. Skeletal muscles are voluntary, meaning they move only when the thinking part of the brain signals them to move. To swim, fish must contract and relax their skeletal muscles, just as humans do when they learn to walk. Most of a fish's body is made up of layers of skeletal muscle. These layers are arranged in a W-shaped bands, from the belly to back. This network of muscles is vertical and interlocking, which allows the fish to move its body back and forth in a smooth, undulating motion. Such motion would not be possible if the muscles ran horizontally along the length of the body, from head to tail. Putting all these factors together. For a fish to swim like they do... All of these factors need to work together in concert. If any one of them is missing, then the fish is going to be in trouble. Imagine a fish without a swim bladder. It will float to the surface and then attempt to swim upside down or on its side, unable to protect itself from predators. Imagine a fish without proper fins, spinning uncontrollably, unable to right itself or manoeuvre to find and eat food. Without a proper tail, it would be unable to move forward. Without dorsal or pelvic fins, it would be unable to steer or stop. Imagine a fish with a single inflexible backbone, unable to generate the sideways motion, it would be motionless in the water, defenceless and incapable of eating. In each one of these elements, there is evidence of design. A watery environment presents numerous physical challenges and barriers to life, yet in a fish every obstacle is met with exactly the right solution and the results are amazing, graceful Colourful, highly manoeuvrable creatures that fit effortlessly within their environment. Everyone can see that they belong in the water. There are no blunders in their anatomy, no obvious defects that mark out chance failures. Everything works harmoniously and elegantly. Every detail is right, even down to the mucus which keeps parasites at bay. How could evolution anticipate the hydrodynamic effects of water on these creatures and the mechanics needed to control movement in water? How could evolution foresee that parasites exist and need to be neutralised? How did evolution develop from scratch such a sophisticated organ like the swim bladder in time for the fish not only to use it, but also to have an understanding of the need to increase or decrease overall density by increasing or decreasing volume without significantly increasing its mass? Take the presence of fins on a fish what are the chances of evolving fins in just the right place and making them work together independently but in harmony with other fins that were' evolving at the same time even evolving two pectoral fins in perfect symmetry on either side of the fish for the purpose of steerage beggars belief each of these ten factors shouts design they work in perfect harmony. They provide elegant solutions within the habitat to which the fish are suited. They are a testimony to the power and wisdom of the Almighty God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth for ever.